And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell. He scores the ball and he rebounds well. Don't fight the future. Here comes Luca. Even losses feel like wins. When you're with your good friend Tim, it's 77 minutes in heaven. Hello, this is 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The only Mavericks podcast that predicted absolutely Josh Green and Jaden Hardy should be starting over Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving. Josh Green, Jaden Hardy, those are the stars of the team. Did you not see what they did Monday night? Dave Dufour, did you not see that? They both had career highs of 29 points each. The future is now. Yeah, like, like, why, why do we, why do we think that they won't be coming off the bench when, when they are actually available? You know, it's true. It's true. I, I, I gotta true. say, uh, you look, you could sell so high on Luka Doncic right now. I'm just throwing that <laughs> out there. You could probably get, I mean, Ru- how many picks did Rudy Gobert bring in? Gosh, you could probably get Victor Wimbanyama right now. Like if, well, not right now. <laughs> if you wait till after the the draft lottery. You could straight up, you could trade Luca for so much, but we'll we'll have would that you, conversation in two years. Yeah would would you would you trade uh, Luka Doncic for the entire first round? Not not just a pick. Like you get all thirty picks in the first round. Is that a fair trade? <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. It's honestly there's not, not yeah, one guy in that in that thirty guys that's going to be as good, right. and that's why you have to maximize every second you have with him as a team, even though he's only twenty three years old. Correct. Um, yeah, and and I, I was I was hundred percent joking. That is jo- yeah. legitimately the correct answer. Um, yeah. Well, you know, but Josh Green, uh, he's gonna he's gonna make this team more competitive. I mean, he's just he's a star waiting to happen. That's what we got to see. You know, Luca gets out of the way, and he steps up. It's a big night. Well, man. like big night like, for us. Uh, like Luca, this Doncic, is the like Green Kyrie and Irving. Hardy pod. Like we we People, have been pushing those guys nonstop. So we have been great Austin Gurria is like, like they're, you know, like they're, well, uh, he couldn't be here. He's hung over because of, he was celebrating the 29 points from those guys last. Night. That may That's... be true. Like, like <laughs> I know you just made that up, but that like just absolutely may be true. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to check in uh, at a later point and, and see how accurate it is. Anyway, um, I'm Tim Cato. He's Dave before we're here to talk about, you know, well, we're supposed to be here to talk about the Kyrie Irving trade and, and what comes next and, you know, just about the deadline week in general. But we have to start with Monday's uh, 124-111 win against the Utah Jazz, a game that was not supposed to be a win, a, a, a performance that uh, was not supposed to be what it was. It, it, it you know, not a Mavs fan. I, I, I can't tap into those same emotions, but I can tell you as a very close observer of this team. You should be feeling, like, if you're a Mavs fan, you should be feeling things that you have not felt in a long time in terms of unexpected joy coming from a group of players that 
wasn't supposed to do this. And it was led by Josh Green and it was led by Jaden Hardy. And that's really where to to focus on. Although Dwight Powell, once again, just remains a sensational role player. Someone just fully accepting of exactly what he does well and how teams win. Um, there's more there at a later point. Um, but anyway, just shout out, shout out to Dwight Powell. Josh Green has been doing this for a while. And he's a funny player. I, I wrote about, uh, you know, Tuesday morning, I, I wrote about the, the the Monday game and I wrote a little bit more about the trade. And, um, you know, one thing that I think is very interesting about Josh Green is that he would have been a good NBA player this season if all he had done is develop his three-point shot and continue playing defense. But this is a man that somehow is consistently adding self-created uh, drives to the rim, you know, mostly off attacking closeouts um, in Monday's game. He was even, you know, he had a step back two pointer, which I don't know where that came from. You know, like an like a little eighteen footer. He tried a couple other fadeaways that you know felt like we probably shouldn't see them the rest of the year, but it was fun, you know, even if they missed. But I, I want to talk, you know, the the one specific aspect of his game that I think is so interesting is that is the way that he is not a traditional driver. He doesn't blow by his player and shoot finger rolls at the rim just because he got there faster than everybody. We know how athletic he is. But he has turned into one of these players, like I don't know. It, it comes like the all the all the Toronto players come to mind. Um, uh, Scotty Barnes, uh, Anobi, Ananobi, uh, Siakam. They're drivers who don't necessarily get there in a flash, but they have the ways to contort their bodies to hang to spin. And Josh Green is doing a lot of spinning around the lane. And two seasons ago, when he was a rookie, he would just kind of throw up a prayer of a shot when he got close to the rim because he didn't have another way to change the angles to give himself a better shooting motion or better shooting angle last season when he was a driver he was really pass only because he would get close to the rim but he'd still have a player on him and then he would just have to go find somebody and and team scouted that and he became less effective this season even though he's not getting always right there um he is sometimes. I don't want to, you know, but but generally he is not a player that that gets right there at all times. He doesn't live at the rim. He's just finding better ways to get around the uh, rim in ways that he can score, which was the exact concern people most had about him coming out of college. And it's the exact concern that college uh, people who scout college get really worried when players don't finish at the rim in college. It is a signifier. It is a bad signifier of how your NBA career might go. And he has not only drastically improved that, but he is turning into someone who can like score 10 to 15 to 20 points fairly often in the NBA. And that is an enormous development for this team and where they're going headed forward. Yeah. I mean, his, if you just like look at the guy's stats, um, his per 36 numbers just pop out. I mean, he, he's been a better player this year, better role. And I mean, we've been singing his praises as a passer. But you're right, his ability to finish is opening up new passing angles for him because they're having to, you know, he's drawing help. Um, that's been a huge development. And, and frankly... He's also hitting like 54% on floaters in that 3-10 to 10 range. That that he's, certainly he's, helps. He's just, he, he developed shooting touch, which is he, not a thing that often is developed. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's finishing inside of 80%. Above eighty yeah, percent, that's nuts. Um, yeah, yeah, those are those are John Morant type of numbers. Um, but again, with that sort of passing, that sort of athleticism, um, 
he's really just come a long way. I mean, he's going to be, we, we keep saying this, but this guy is going to be an important role player for, for Luca's career. You know, uh, he, like they need him to hit and it seems like he's kind of hitting now. Um, I, I wonder when, when they're at full health, how much of, uh, offensive responsibility he's going to get like, you know, when we'll, and we'll talk about Kyrie in a minute, but you know, does he wind up kind of losing touches because Kyrie is going to demand more touches than, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie uh, or Dorian Finney Smith were. So I, I wonder how they balance that out, but it's going to be a field thing and he's going to have to pick his spots no matter what. Right. But he's still broadly, you know, last night being the exception, he's still a player that is mostly creating off catches and yeah. attacking closeouts and and transition. He's he's attacking in ways that are not usage dependent, um, are not ball in his hand dependent. I you know he he's not someone who needs to, you know, dribble the air out of the ball to set him up in good positions. He's just increasingly having this this great knack to be able to drive at a at a you know scrambling, uh, defense and find his way to the rim, even if it's not an easy, straightforward path to the rim. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really impressive. And I think he's, you know, just about the third most important Maverick the rest of the season, um, maybe with the exception of Maxi Kleba. But he's he's right there. You know, like like what he does do is doing is is just absolutely crucial. I, I think um Jaden Hardy is someone who is not going to be a rotation player, you know, from here on out. This was not him permanently uh, etching his name into the rotation. I don't, and I, I think that's fair, but I do see a player who, you know, it's not easy to score 29 points in the NBA. There's not, you know, especially at the age of 20, you know, like he is, he, he won't be 21 until after the season, I believe. And that the Mavericks were able to draft him last summer. Um, I, I think it's going to end up being really important it may be that he is developing to be a piece they trade because he is still really raw and he can have nights like he did on Monday and maybe his development happens really quickly. And all of a sudden he's a extremely viable rotation piece. But if, if huge, if the Mavericks are building around Luca and Kyrie Irving, if that is the future, there may not be room, you know, there may not be need for a player like Jaden Hardy who, you know, is different from them, but but is a, is looking like or forecasting as a somewhat ball dominant scorer, you know, who doesn't add a lot of defense. You you might not need that on a Luca Kyrie team. Um, or but that's or a piece that other be... teams are going to want because he can stir the drink exactly. Right? And and like exactly. when you look around the league, like the the teams that come to mind are some of the young teams that could use some guards. Orlando. Like that's a team that might be interested in Jaden Hardy, and maybe you can. I mean, if you're looking to make an right. improvement at this deadline, um, you know he's a piece that they still have that they could move, right? Like, I mean, he's going to garner some interest. Um, but going forward, it could be this summer one of these teams that need a young guard uh, come and come and make a call. But yeah, I think you're right. Like, he's a piece they need to develop because he's an asset they need to develop. Not so much that he's going to be on the court um, winning these guys playoff games anytime soon i mean he, he's a, in a year ago yeah we couldn't have predicted that the mavericks would have had a player like this no on their no, roster no. yeah without a high draft it's pick man it's just so hard well it goes back to the thing we've been saying like they, they've just put themselves in this position you know uh, because luca is so good they couldn't be bad enough to get all these good assets right like so many teams come up 
with young guys and they have a bunch of assets or they have a bunch of, you know, talent or whatever because they've got a, a you know, they've had multiple years of high draft picks and, you know, frankly, the tank didn't last long enough for the for the Mavs. So, you know, and you couple that with the Porzingis trade where you gave up a bunch of assets and now and now you've got another big trade where you've given up, you know, a few but nothing too, you know, nothing too big. Um, they need they need that internal development to happen so that they can flip this guy, basically. And and when you don't have multiple years of lottery picks to try to get these appealing players to either keep or to package, um, you got to hit on a low. You know, you got to hit Memphis on somebody is loaded in the second right round. Now, right? Memphis is loaded because they had years where they sucked and they had a bunch of high draft picks, and then yeah. they don't they don't they also hit on some low ones too. Picks. To they be did. fair. Sure. You know, like but, you know, the big Salty ones are... Adama and Desmond Bain, very obviously. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, well, Xavier everyone Tillman. Missed on Bain. Everybody missed on, you know, like they have a mm-hmm. bunch of second rounders that are playing, you know, or, or late first rounders uh, okay. that are that are playing important minutes for them. Um, but yeah, they also had years where they had high draft picks and, and that matters. That's important in the NBA. So all that is to say is that having Josh Green and having, uh, you know, Jaden Hardy on this team. Uh, it's just it's very very important for different reasons, and both of them are increasingly looking. You know, ju- Green, no doubt, and and Hardy is is looking this way. They look critical to what the team wants to do to their future. Uh, you know, in one way or the other. And so, on Sunday, obviously, the Mavericks did trade for Kyrie. Uh, if for some reason you missed it, we recorded a podcast already talking about it. Me, Austin Guria, and Mike Pellucci. Uh, so go check that out. We're going to talk a little bit about it, but the hardest thing is that right now, well, there's a few hard things, and one of them is that Kyrie <laughs> is Kyrie, and he's a difficult person to talk about. He's a very complex, complicated figure who has had, who has promoted some very harmful things that absolutely have to be pushed back upon, and if it happens in Dallas to any degree, the, the same thing will happen on this podcast and will happen, you know, by us, by, you know, like we will, it is now our uh, responsibility to, to be you know, right at the forefront of, of pushing back on things that have to be pushed back on. But he's a very complicated figure outside that, you know, he has a lot of, you know, donations to things to like causes and, and people that I would donate to Um, that if uh, I was looking through this That's long great. list of GoFundMe yeah. contributions. And like, I, I'm pretty sure at least one of them in there, you know, is something I, I've, I've donated to like complex, complicated figures are not people that can be boiled down to a word or a few words or a throwaway line on a podcast. So yeah. not going to do that right here just yet. Oh, I mean, I, it I'm is complicated. To, I'm happy to wade into that a little bit because I think you're right. Okay. Like okay. Go ahead. Let's do it. Com- complicated is what people say. But, but the biggest thing with Kyrie is that Kyrie is Kyrie. Like it, I would, I would argue more confused than complicated. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Kyrie's a guy, he's got a lot of questions about the world, doesn't have a lot of answers, but likes to pretend that he does, right? Like, that's the the thing. Yeah. So, um, you know, and and a lot of people can try to attribute malice to it, but I, I choose not to attribute malice where instead it's, you know, ignorance or, you know, just being dumb or whatever. Um, you know, like, uh, I, I only know who Jordan Peterson is because my friends send me ridiculous stuff from this guy, like where he's changing people's lives by, I don't know, crying or whatever. And so, you know, I, I, I see, (laughs) Kyrie shares a video with Jordan Peterson. Okay, we can't say, oh, well, he's a Jordan Peterson guy because he shared this video. I, look, that guy's video is just out there. And a, and, a, and a couple of them, you you just listen to them with no pretext. And you're like, oh, yeah, this guy make his, makes a little bit of sense. That makes perfect sense, you know, in this little 45-second snippet. You don't know this guy's entire backstory, right? You don't know about the all-meat diet or whatever. And so, you know, you share a video. That doesn't mean that Kyrie, like, you know, believes the stuff that this guy is kind of like, you know, perpetrating or or, or putting out in the world. But it, it, but it but, does consistently, in in the quantity that he's it, done it, it in, does signal to an ideology and to a yes. system, right? He is yeah. he is getting. Here's the thing: I think that his Instagram algorithm is really ruining his life, and he's seeing <laughs> stuff that, like, I mean, it doesn't take. Look, man. Th- we we can talk about tech and AI actually. That's maybe a little bit better. But but the truth is like these algorithms are built to radicalize. Like and and in particular they go right. So when he's sharing some of this weird stuff about you know Jewish people or uh, you know the Jordan Peterson stuff or whatever. I mean that's where it's black coming nationalism. From. Yeah, yeah, it's it's exactly the same 
it is it is the same stuff that we see with the QAnon people. Um, you know, the internet overall, like I, I think that most people's brains don't really handle it well. And, you know, it's it's only going to get worse for society. And I'm hoping that it's going to get better for Kyrie as he learns to navigate it a little bit more. Because I just don't think he's like a hateful person. Um, you know, I, I like you said, a, I think this, he's a. I think he's a thoughtful he's a stubborn, person in yeah. real life, but it's just that, you know, the stuff that you share on the Internet um, when you're a public figure and it. it does have to matter at some point. Um, and in particular, like the doubling down on the anti-Semitism stuff, you know, one of the things that that I've found to be powerful is knowing what I don't know. And I, Kyrie needs to learn that he doesn't know anything, you know, or at least not much. Because then you don't, you don't do stuff like this. Like you don't get yourself in a position where you, you come across like the asshole because you're, you're sharing these things. Because again, man, I just... I don't think when you look at this guy's, you know, his his personal life, the stuff that he does personally, the causes that he goes out and he actually puts personal physical energy into. I just it's hard for me to believe that that's who that guy really is. That being said, he's exhausting because every single time you think this is all done. Well, then he asks for a, a trade. The Nets were a fun team that were trending up. And now. We can get into the back, you know, behind the scenes negotiation stuff where this is actually a good move by Kyrie and his team to get him out of there because now he's in a position where he's going to get a max contract probably, right? That's great negotiating. It just sucks as a basketball fan, you know? Um, I don't know how, like, how do the Mavericks sell the idea that, hey, you're going to root for Kyrie Irving? Right. That's where I'm at on Kyrie. A beautiful player, man. I love to watch that guy play basketball. He doesn't play basketball right. enough, though. So I think I'll it's say, a it's a it's a weird situation to me. I'll say I'll say like thirty seconds more, and then we can kind of get yeah. back to the to the basketball court. Um, yeah. I think I think there is definitely a level of stubborn contrarian, contrarianism within Kyrie, um, and that he has a tendency to have that stubbornness come out almost in a way that he's trolling. But this is the age-old internet question over the past 10 years. When does a troll who is pushing beliefs because he knows he gets a rise out of people, whether they believe it or not, if you keep sharing it and if you keep you know, embracing these messages and mediums, when does that just become who you are? And That's I think right. that is an enormous factor at play here. And I have I have some some sympathy for some aspects of early stages of his beliefs things like you know black nationalism is something that at its core is is rooted in a belief you know in a in a search for black identity something that was stolen from african americans you know through the slave trade um but that's not where a lot of these beliefs have ended up in things like the you know the pseudo historic documents uh documentary he shared and was suspended for and wouldn't apologize for and then did apologize for and then deleted his Instagram apology uh, at a later point. And yeah, there's, yeah, it's the, at some point doing something to be different and, you know, or, or doing something to get a rise out of people just becomes who you are and what you believe and and what you represent at minimum. I just can't imagine being that, that that rich and famous and successful and, being on the internet. Oh my God, man. 
Like that, I just like, the, I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm just, maybe I mean, I'm anti-internet. Um, but yeah, I just, we're, I don't we're the most it. successful podcasters in the, you know, we're the only no, that, podcasters, that's true. most successful ones. And yet we're on the internet. Like, that's what are true. we doing? Well, we're, yeah. we're providing a service. Here. Um, but let, let's talk about the basketball, man, because, um, with Kyrie, well, as is often yeah. the case, the basketball winds up coming second, third or fourth. And the thing is, this was a basketball move by the Mavericks. And I guess in a vacuum, you know, you added a star player, um, I still think you're gonna you're gonna really you're gonna miss Dorian Finney-Smith, um, who has just been a, a crucial component to to what this team's identity was. You know, the team that made the conference finals last year was it was a Dorian Finney-Smith team on the defensive end in in my mind, right? Like he made that thing. I think work. that's fair, yeah. And um, they have gone so far away from that now that. I mean, they look. They may score 140 points a game if if when Kyrie plays, but they might give up 150. Uh, they they really took a step back defensively. I mean, and, and they've they've done that all year, but it was a big one. And and also, man, just with Luca having these little like nagging injuries and having to miss games here and there, Spencer Dinwiddie has been. Uh, to me, a very important player to have. To have someone with similar size to Luca, you can run a lot of the same stuff with him because of that size. He's so good at attacking, and and Kyrie tends to dance around a lot. Um, a lot of possessions already go to end a shot clock with Luca, and now you're going to have another guy out there who's going to kind of do the same thing, um, but not I'll as effective. Push back a little bit. Kyrie did a decent job over the past couple seasons in Brooklyn, pushing ahead, hitting ahead on on I- passes. He hits ahead. Okay, so he hits ahead, but he's still going to do his dance around thing in the half court, right? Um, but that's that's, and, and that's functionally does, how Spencer was playing. Now, he does, when Spencer he was does asked bring out, he does bring out, I think, uh, a lot in bigs. Uh, Claxton, um, Nick Claxton's sort of uh, development this season, a lot of that is on Kyrie. Like, I mean, he's really skillful pick and roll guy, finds will find bigs coming out of the dunker spot for, for lobs and stuff like that. I'm not saying like he's a chucker, um, but he's certainly going to, going to use up a lot of clock. And I, I actually would like to see this team getting into stuff faster anyway. Um, so we'll I, see how I'll that say works this. out. I'll say this. Um, Luca has a style that only works obviously because he's Luca. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Like, no, there are, a handful of players in the league who can isolate and ball dominate and hunt and switch, you know, hunt switches and, you know, run pick and roll after pick and roll to the extent that he does and have an offense that, you know, would be the best in the league. If you just counted his minutes, you know, that stat I keep citing and Spencer played that way. But the one thing, and, and Spencer replicated pretty well. He was a pretty good scorer in isolation, not as good as Kyrie, but but comparable. The big difference between how Spencer Dinwiddie was able to do that type of style of offense and how Kyrie does it is that Kyrie actually runs an offense. Spencer Dinwiddie was someone who got a lot of assists by just making the correct pass, whereas Kyrie Irving can pass within the flow of an offense to maximize what you know, the five players on the court, himself included, are doing in an offense. I also think it's pretty valuable, um, you know, to have 
Like, I'm really, really interested to see whether Luca actively tries to develop off the ball, um, whether he's going to be forced to. Like, I, I think, I think he's going to try. I really think he's going to try that when Kyrie is taking a Kyrie possession, which is now fine because of the level of efficiency that Kyrie brings from that. Oh yeah, that's Kyrie actually, is qualified for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It used to be that you wouldn't, you basically never would want Luca to you know, not be involved in possession because you couldn't even get close to replicating the efficiency that you could with him if he had the ball in his hands. Mm -hmm. But now you actually have a player who's the best isolation player in the league by efficiency, Kyrie Irving. And I'm really curious to see how he reacts to that. The other thing about Kyrie and and the ability for Luka to sometimes take possessions off, I think he's going to be a little bit more locked in defensively a little more often. We know that he's a, a bit above average when he's really focused on that end. Like he's a he's a solid defender, you know, with a with a tendency to get a you know a, a smart steal, you know, here and there. Uh, doesn't you know really get get bodied off the ball. Obviously, super strong, super, super smart on that end uh, when he's trying. And so I think that's a hidden wrinkle about how their defense could get a touch better because he's had some real bad games over the past few weeks defensively. Um, but I think the other way that the defense improves is what does or does not happen the rest of the week. Oh, yeah. Because the deadline is still on Thursday. And let me ask you this, to push ahead, to put to push towards a fewer uh, future-focused perspective. How do you fix this defense? What what type of player do they need to go get? You know, I don't care even about names. Hakeem Olajuwon. Um, I don't, I mean, I think they just need, they need a, they need a big at this point. Because now you're going to a more conventional team, right? Like you're, you need a catch-all. You need a guy who can erase mistakes. Um, they don't have that right now. Uh, you know, like Brooke Lopez would work, you know, a guy who can just well, hang back, yeah. play drop. And, you know, like you just need well, yeah, that. No, no shit. Dave. Yeah. No shit. I can get, <laughs> um, let me get you one of the best defensive centers in the league, but that's yeah, why don't, it, why don't like, we go trade JaVale McGee for uh Jaron Jackson jr. Yeah. You know, I mean, can they get Joel Embiid that, you know, maybe, maybe this summer actually. Um, I, I just Here, think let's use names. They need, do they need they, Nerlens Noel or do they need Jared Vanderbilt more? You know, I mean, like, like so that's interesting. See, if they still had Dorian Finney-Smith, I would say you could maybe go Vanderbilt. Although I don't like Vanderbilt guarding bigs that much. Um, you know, he's he's like a he's like a Ben Simmons style defender to me, where his you know the one through five is theoretic. Really, it's one through four. And he can hold up here and there against five, but he, you don't want to have that guy as like a small ball five. He just get he gets kind of the run value, over, especially in the, the West. value of Vando, Vanderbilt is not that he's one to five. It's that when he's asked to be the low guy and rotate to the rim, he's actually a decent rim protector. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's not a big, he's not a guy you're going to scheme around being at the rim, right. but you can trust him to be someone who rotates over and blocks shots. Uh, as well runs, as any wing can realistically yeah. be asked to be uh, to, to do that in the league. Right? Runs the floor would have been a good cutter uh, working off Luca. But the thing is, like he he doesn't bring as much value to your defense because now your defense is different. You don't have those, you know, you're, you're not going to be doing um, as much, frankly, on the That's defensive true. end. So uh, you know, I would say, I mean, Nerlens Noel, but i mean javel was supposed to be nerland's noel for this season and that really hasn't worked out i, I don't know i mean I, my assumption is that they're not going to be able to find a big um that that is better than what they have in-house you know uh this team needs maxi to get healthy christian wood to you know 
continue trending up um, defensively. I, I I think or he has gotten better. out or trending out. as an out of the team. I mean, yeah, like that's that's our guess here, right? Is that that he's? I mean, because no extension. Yes, that you can't is go guess. into the summer. Yes. You can't go into the summer yes. with that. Um, I, I don't know, man. The problem I, is like they they tricky. legitimately might not have an offer for him. Yeah, well, this is. Can they get Ben Simmons? He's not doing anything in Brooklyn. Them. No, I don't. Yeah, no. I just um, they they really could use a more conventional big, um, but that's that's the league now, right? Like almost everybody needs right. that guy. Jakob Pertl yeah. would be a, a nice addition for this team if they could get him, but I I just don't know that you can do that because that guy. I mean, one of the things about Pertl that people don't don't realize is he's going to get paid this summer. He's going to be making like so twenty that, million dollars a year this summer. That actually brings me to a theory of mine. I think that a traditional center is not dead in the NBA, but I think that the NBA should treat traditional centers like the NFL does running backs. Yeah, one hundred. You just you just draft one every year. You have them on a rookie contract. You never pay them. Yeah. Like if you're if you like every team needs a shot blocking dunking center, particularly in in you know at this point this is a necessity in the NBA. You got to be a little bit mobile. Mm-hmm. Um. But you want them on a rookie contract and you want the flexibility of playing them, you know, 15 to 30 minutes a night, uh, you know, maybe 15 to 25, um, because some nights you're only going to play in 15. Sometimes it's it's not, it's not going to work out another way um, and you should never pay them. And even if you're a player like that, um, you know, a traditional, I, I think in a lot of ways, Christian Wood is is he's not a he's not atypical. He's not non-traditional. Um He's not a defensive anchor. He does score a lot. He scores very well. Nobody is doubting that. Nobody is doubting that there is a role on the Mavericks that he can help them with. The doubt is whether he wants to fill that role, which is sometimes going to be 15 to 30 minutes. Like sometimes it will be down to 15 minutes and it will just be against, it will only be against bench lineups that it will be able to produce. Um, sometimes it will be more. And the other doubt is how much money he wants to make because you should not be paying 20 plus million to players like this. And that's what he wants. And he may find out that the market has kind of coalesced onto this idea because I'm very smart and everybody should be listening to me and all the front offices in the league. Every GM listens to the podcast and they're going to be like, oh, wow, he's right. We've never thought about this, Tim Cato. We've never thought about the disposable nature of the modern NBA big. Yes, yes. And, and you know, call me the GM whisperer. But the point is, this is why the Mavericks are trying to trade him. Not because they don't see him as a player who can do good things on a basketball court and probably affect winning. You know, even though last night was kind of one of those moments where it's like the team has a surprising, shocking win and Christian Wood uh, was the worst part about it. And, you know, basically got benched in the second half, like almost the entire second half. There are moments like that that pop up that are like, huh, huh. Does this like is there a direct correlation between this player's stats and this his team's winning? That said, that said, first game back, you know, his left thumb isn't even fully healed. I'm not gonna read too much into that. I do think that he's probably still moved by the deadline. But we'll see. We'll see. And um but what moves, you know, that that's the thing. Like, like as much, there's a lot more to talk about here, but there's a lot more to talk about that is still waiting patiently just to see, 
just to see what comes by 2 p.m. Central Time on Thursday afternoon. So I think we're just going to come back after that. How does that sound? That works for me, Tim. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, I'd love to hear that. Thank you, Dave, for coming on with me. It's been a pleasure to talk to you today. Yeah, you too. You too. I'm really looking forward to seeing this. Uh, what this team looks like next week. It should um, be entertaining. Entertaining doesn't like, have to mean good Kyrie or bad or Irving, anything. Kyrie Irving is legitimately one of my favorite players to watch ever. The guy is silky smooth. He is, he, that is, um, you know, Kobe had this. Just it, It's a beautiful style of basketball that Kyrie Irving plays. I, I mean, I, I, I'm being completely honest here. Just watching him play basketball. He is a top five, top ten guy to watch for me ever because I'm I love the artistry of his game. I just want him to play. That's it. Get out there, dribble the basketball, put the ball through the hoop. That's all I want from Kyrie for the rest of the year. Just play every game, score a lot of points, and don't use the internet. <laughs> Good advice for all of us. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you next or uh, later this week. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell. He scores the ball and he rebounds well. Don't fight the future. Here comes Luca. Even losses feel like wins. When you're with your good friend Tim, it's 77 minutes in heaven.